Good morning. My name is Kyle Komarowski. I will be reading today from Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kyle, for reading. Well, uh, it was recently announced that Buzz is shutting down, which I know you're all extremely sad about. <laughs> no. BuzzFeed News is shutting down. So in an homage to BuzzFeed, I have a very BuzzFeed-esque type list to share with you all this morning. So let's get into the BuzzFeed list that I made. You've heard of Kate Middleton, the Duchess of Cambridge, but I'm guessing you haven't heard of Kate's brother, James Middleton. James founded the company of Boomf, which specializes in personalized marshmallows and greeting cards. Isn't that great? Now you can get your face on a marshmallow from Kate Middleton's brother. <laughs> You've heard of Steve Buscemi, but you likely didn't know he has an older brother, Michael, who suffers from the same eyes. <laughs> You've heard of John Travolta, but you probably haven't heard of John's older, more mafia boss-looking brother, Joey. <laughs> yeah, Joey Travolta, huh? You've heard of Sean Connery, but have you heard of his younger brother, Neil? Sean Connery played John James Bond, but Neil Connery starred in a film inspired by James Bond entitled Operation Kid Brother. Talk about living in your brother's shadow. Hello, I, I played Bond. And I played a Bond-inspired character in a movie, Operation Kid Brother. Right? <laughs> Yikes. You've heard of the Property Brothers, Drew and Jonathan Scott, who look like Disney princes come to real life. But I'm guessing you haven't heard of their younger brother, J.D. Scott, who has worked behind the scenes of his brother's shows. Poor J.D. is too punk rock and not Disney Prince enough to be in the limelight. You might have heard of models Gigi and Bella Hadid, but their younger brother Anwar, despite dabbling in modeling, cologne, jewelry, and music, hasn't found the fame and success of his sisters. I wonder why. In other news, Anwar is slated to succeed Tom Felton as Draco Malfoy in the Harry Potter franchise. You've heard of Jimmy Carter, the 39th President of the United States, but have you heard of his younger brother, Billy Carter? You have! <laughs> Billy has his own beer, branded as Billy Beer. Along with shady dealings in Libya, public urination on a runway, and other foibles, Jimmy himself from his embattled brother. This completes the BuzzFeed-esque list of lesser-known siblings. Why do I give you the list? Because we're in the middle of a series on the Apostles' Creed, 
And today, we are looking at what I think is the lesser-known sibling of Jesus' earthly ministry. There's a line in the Apostles' Creed that says, Jesus, or He, ascended into heaven. And I think the ascension is the Billy Carter and the James Middleton of Jesus' earthly ministry. It's kind of that weird, lesser-known sibling that you don't really hear about very often and often like to forget because they're kind of strange and not part of the mainstream. The ascension is Jesus' lesser-known sibling of his earthly ministry. I mean, think about it. He comes to this earth. Yay! Christmas! God incarnate, right? He's one of us. Then he goes to the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross on Good Friday. Then he rises from the dead. Yes! New life! Resurrection! And then, huh? He rises up into heaven? The ascension. Oh, yeah. Was that his elevator up to heaven sort of thing? And Oh, yeah. That was his beam me up, Scotty, at the end of his earthly ministry. It's the billy beer. It's the boomph. It's the face on a marshmallow of his earthly ministry. After Jesus rose from the dead, he gathered with his disciples on the Mount of Olives to give them final instructions before he ascends and before he lifts himself up to heaven. Let's pick, up, pick it up in our scripture reading today, Acts 1, 9-11. After saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As the disciples strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, the angels said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And so Jesus, while he's with his disciples, rises up into heaven and they're watching him ascend. And at some point, the clouds obscure him. Now, when I was a kid, I imagined the clouds that we see in the sky obscuring him. You ever read it looked like spilt milk as a kid with all the cloud shapes? Who's ever read this book? It looked like spilt milk, but it wasn't, right? It was a cloud. Or you ever looked at clouds yourself and used your imagination to decide what kind of shapes the clouds were taking? And I imagined, yep, Jesus rose up into the, high, uh, into the sky and those puffy cumulus clouds eventually obscured him from view. But it wasn't the clouds that obscured. It was the glory cloud that obscured the vision. The glory cloud that so often accompanies the glory of the sun. It was the glory cloud that came to rest on the tabernacle in the Old Testament when Moses would go in and meet with the Lord. It was the glory cloud that accompanied Jesus when he was transfigured with his disciples. It is the glory cloud that obscures Jesus from view as he ascends to the Father. The ascension is kind of weird. It's the lesser known sibling because people rising up is kind of a dangerous thing. It's kind of a weird thing. We learned this with Charlie and his grandfather in Willy Wonka. Almost got caught in the fan. That was one weird movie. Why did my parents let me watch that thing? Right? Anyone in here like, why are we watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Yeah, strange. This one's less weird. But Mary Poppins was not thrilled when the kids and Bert rose up into the top of the room to have a tea party on the ceiling. It was weird and concerning. And then who could forget the poor minion that drank the anti-gravity solution and was floating around in Earth's atmosphere? Rising up is kind of weird. And Jesus rises up into heaven at the end of his ministry. It's the boomph. It's the billy beer. It's the lesser known sibling 
of Jesus' earthly ministry. So we got this weird thing as the final act that Jesus does when he comes to earth, and he promises he's he promises us that he's coming back someday, but why do we need an elevator up to heaven, this rising up thing at the end of his ministry? Why do we need an ascended Jesus? I mean, we kind of know the reasoning for the other highlights of Jesus' earthly ministry. We know that we needed him to come to this earth, ultimately to sacrifice himself for us. So we know why we need Christmas because we need Jesus to come as one of us to be our sacrifice. And then we know why we need Good Friday, because he needs to die on the cross in our place as a penal substitution for our sin. And then we know why we need the resurrection, because we need him to rise to new life so that someday we can rise to new life as well. So we know why we need those things, but why do we need an elevator up to heaven? Why do we need a beam me up, Scotty? Why do we need an ascension? And today, I think there's three answers and each one of these answers correspond to his threefold office, we call it. Jesus' threefold office as prophet, as priest, and king. Why do we need an ascension? Because he's prophet, because he's priest, and because he's king. First of all, why do we need an ascension? Because he's prophet. We need an ascension so that as prophet, he could send his spirit. We need an ascension so that as prophet, he could send his spirit. Acts, links, Prophecy, the sending of the Holy Spirit. Look at what Peter says in 2, 17 to 18. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Why do we need an ascended Jesus? Because as prophet, he sends us his spirit. This is what Jesus is talking about in John 16, verse 7 at the Last Supper with his disciples. Look at what Jesus tells his disciples at the Last Supper. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. What? Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Okay? If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Okay. Jesus is with his disciples, and he says, it's best that I go away. And if I was a disciple, I'd be like, what is this? Some sort of breakup speech? Like, it's best if we don't see each other anymore. Like, what are you telling us, Jesus? Three years with you, and now you're like, it's best if we don't see each other anymore. And then he says, because if I stay with you, I can't send the advocate, but if I go away, then I can send the advocate. And you're just like, they don't know what he's talking about. And I'm like, what is this? Some sort of breakup speech. What? what? It's best that you go away, and who's the advocate? Well, we know now, and the disciples found out, that the advocate is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus ascends into heaven and goes back to his Father so that he can send his Holy Spirit into the hearts of believers. There's something you've got to understand that I didn't understand about the Spirit. The Spirit is the presence of Jesus in us. The Spirit is actually the presence of Jesus himself, the presence of the Son, and by going away, Jesus sends the presence of himself into believers. Why do we need an ascended Jesus? So he can send his presence into the hearts of believers. Well, that's kind of cool, but why does he have to do that? When Morgan and I were in college, Morgan was at UW-Eau Claire. I'm sure she's super excited about this picture that I'm showing right there. 
I showed it because I'm guessing she's talking to me using a calling card with our landline in the dorm room on this picture. We were, and then we would bum our friend's cell phones. Free nights and weekends! Nine o'clock, I can call Morgan for free! Sweet! Right. I can't believe we had landline phones. I mean, the thing would ring. Unbelievable. On the wall. You go pick it up off the wall. Like, I need a longer phone cord so I can walk around my dorm room. Crazy. So Morgan was at UW-Eau Claire, and I was in B. This is all throughout our undergrad. And uh, I remember staring at a map and thinking, like, why does it take so long to drive from Chicago to Eau Claire? And the only thing that separates us is space. And when I'm in a car, I'm just passing through space. And if somehow I could just transcend space or like have a teleportation device or something, I could just be with her. You know, like why is it, like it's literally just space that separates us. Like this is awful, right? And what Jesus is doing by sending the Spirit is he is actually transcending the space-time continuum because he created the space-time continuum. You sciency and mathy type people, this is totally for you. Why is it best that Jesus goes away so he can send his spirit? And what does the sending of his spirit do? It's his presence living in us, okay? But think about this. When Jesus was on this earth, that's one man. And who can be with Jesus when he's on, that wor- on the earth? Only the people who are with that one man. Because he's limited by time and space. But when he ascends to heaven and sends his presence into all believers... Now who's with Jesus? Everyone who believes in him. Everyone throughout all time, in all space, in all ages, in all times, in all places. So he's transcended the time-space continuum by sending his spirit into us. One man can only be with so many people. But an ascended Jesus who sends his presence into our hearts can be with all of his people across all the ages. Why? Do we need an ascended Jesus so he could send his spirit as prophet? Why do we need an ascended Jesus? So as priest, he could bring us before the Father. Now this one is really Bible-y and Old Testament-y. Right? So you need to tap into the Old Testament to understand what's going on here. As our priest, Jesus brings us before the Father as the ascended one. Look at what Hebrews 6, 19-20 says. This hope, meaning our hope in Jesus, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's sanctuary. That's the Holy of Holies. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus, in ascending to heaven, is going into God's throne room, the Holy of Holies. He's passing through the curtain between this earth and heaven, and he's going into the space where his Father is, and he is bringing us with him into that space where his Father is. All right, let me break this down for you. In the Old Testament, priests were mediated between the people and God. So people would go to the priest, and the priest would bring the people before God. And God would bring a message to the priest, the priest would bring a message back to the people. So he's a mediator, all right? He was an in-between. I'm really thankful with this whole lease thing, which you'll hear more about in a moment. We had Paul Junius. And so when we wanted to communicate something, we would communicate to Paul, and then Paul would communicate to the other party. And then if the other party wanted to communicate with us, the party would communicate to Paul, and Paul would communicate to us. The go-between, mediator. Priest is a mediator. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, 
the priest would, the high priest would sort of in a figurative way purify the people, make atonement for the people. He'd make a sacrifice, then he would take the blood of the sacrifice into what was called the Holy of Holies in the temple. And this room in the Holy of Holies was only gone into once a year because it was a very special room because it was God's throne room. There was the Ark of the Covenant and there were these cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant and they formed something called the Mercy Seat. And the Mercy Seat was viewed as God's actual throne and the Holy of Holies was God's throne room. And so the priest covered in the blood of the sacrifice would figuratively bring the people before the Lord's throne so that they could be atoned for and purified on the Day of Atonement. And Jesus, by ascending into heaven is going through the curtain that covered the room into the Holy of Holies. He's going into heaven, the place where God is enthroned, the place where God is, and by going there, covered in the blood of his own sacrifice on the cross, he is bringing those who are in him, those people, to the Father. This is what Jesus is talking about in John 14, 2-3. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? I'm going ahead of you. I'm going into my father's house, into the Holy of Holies. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. He's going before us into God's throne room so that he can come back and get us and bring us there as well. Reformed theologian James Torrance says, first, Jesus has already taken our humanity into the Holy of Holies, the presence of the Father in his own person. Second, he comes to us today by the Holy Spirit to take us with him into the holiest of all and to present us without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish to the Father. If you're not following, think about this. This is what I like to think about. I have this image in my head of arriving to heaven someday and knocking on the door of the Father's house. And then the door opens and appearing behind the door is Jesus. And he says, Bill, I've been waiting for you. I have a room for your father's house. Welcome home, Bill Vervelde. And I really hope he says good and faithful servant. Not, welcome here by the skin of your teeth, William Vervelde. So I imagine him saying, welcome home, Bill Vervelde. That's one way I view this. But when I think about Jesus as my high priest, it places Jesus not within the father's house, but it brings Jesus out onto the doorstep alongside of me. And now it's not me knocking on the door of the Father's house, but it's Jesus knocking on the door of the Father's house. And the door swings open. And Jesus says to his Father as the door swings open, here I am, and I'm not alone. I have brought all of these brothers and sisters with me. They are found in me. They too wish you, Father, to see them, regard them, and love them, Father. So it's actually Jesus who brings me to the doorstep of the Father's house and says, hey, Dad, he's with me. He's mine. Why do we need an ascended Jesus? So that as our priest, he can bring us before the Father without spot or blemish. And finally, as our king, why do we need an ascended Jesus? So that he could reign as our king. Psalm 110 verse 1 says, The Lord, Yahweh, said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. And then Hebrews, which also quotes the psalm, says, But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with the scepter of justice. Your love and, you love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you 
pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. You are the king because the Father has anointed you. He's poured out his oil of anointing on you, son, more than anybody else. You're the king. You're the anointed king. He asked me, what's your favorite part of the Apostles' Creed? Ah, it varies. It's all so good. There's some days that certain parts hit me different than others, but one of my favorite parts consistently is he is seated. He is seated. He ascended, and now he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He is seated. Just a week ago, Morgan went to the grocery store. She tells me, she's like, okay, so they have these salad bags, right? And they have the window in the salad bag, but now the window is partially obscured by prints of lettuce on the window. So it makes it seem like there's more lettuce in there, makes the window smaller so you can't really see how much lettuce is in there, and what lettuce she can see is all brown. So she opts for the head of lettuce, which is half the price, or a fraction of the price, and you get way more, and it's green instead of, instead of brown. Every reminder of food, it's like, yep, shrinkflation. Yep, inflation. Like, how am I going to afford stuff anymore? How am I going to afford water? But my water bill keeps going up. How am I going to afford to live in this inflationary environment? I'm making less. I'm bringing home less. And things are costing more and more. He is seated. I've had some conversations with you as parents, and you're like, I don't know about school and my kids, and I'm worried about what I'm seeing in the culture regarding the school system. And I know I can trust some teachers in the school system, but I know I can't trust other teachers in the school system because I see what's happened at large in the school system. So I don't know what to do about my child's education. And I can't afford to send them over here. And it's too far to send them over there. What do I do? He is seated. I've talked to many of you. My job is super stressful. I'm just not happy. Yes, it's an income. I praise the Lord for it. He's providing through it. But leadership is incompetent. Or I've got way too much to do. I'm stressed out of my mind. I don't really see a joyous future in my job. What do I do? He is seated. Regardless of what is happening, in your life. Another one. I've cared for this family member so much. They require so much help, so much care. I've given so much of myself. I'm at the end of my rope. I have health issues myself, and they're exacerbated because I'm expending myself just to try to take care of this other family member. What do I do? How am I going to get by? He is seated. That is the hope and the comfort today, you all. That regardless of what's happening in this earth, on this side of heaven... He is seated. 